This episode is sponsored by Coingaming.io, Permission.io, and Bittrex Global. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. Hey everyone, I am Charlie Shrem, and you are watching and listening to Untold Stories, where twice a week, but really like five days a week, I get to sit and talk to some of the coolest people in cryptocurrency to find out how this movement truly came to be. We talk to some some really passionate people. We talk to um, everyone who's been involved in the industry from the early days, people who joined just now. Uh, but really, what we do is we connect all the dots together and help you guys understand how this industry and the space and cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and, and DeFi and everything, how it all kind of like fits into the puzzle pieces that is crypto and the future that we all know is going to be. Uh, and I'm really, really excited today to have Graham, Graham Friedman. Uh, we've had the, the opportunity to, to work together too um, to, for coming on the show today. You are the Director of Tokenization Digital Assets at Republic Advisory, um, and, and that's how we were able to work together. Um, you guys are doing such such really cool things at Republic. I didn't realize it was such a, a big company when we started talking, but more fun, like uh, not more coolly. I don't even know if that's like a word, but um, I'll take it more. Yeah, I'll take, we, we all started somewhere before we got into crypto um, and you we were talking earlier. You worked um, for Gary Vaynerchuk. You guys were worked together for two years, maybe even longer. I don't know. But um, these were the years where the whole concept of pioneering uh, digital content. This was pre-influencers, pre-Snapchat, pre the idea of being able to record video on your phone and make money off of that did not exist before Gary V started doing videos of wine from his parents, video reviews of wine from his parents' liquor store. And that literally started I think the revolution that we see today, and you were really part of that. You were telling me that you were like one of the first people to really take professional cameras and, and turn them on their side. What was that like? I mean, now that you're part of like two industries that are really revolutionizing. Yeah. Uh, and thank I mean, you for coming the, on the show too. My pleasure. Very happy to be here. <laughs> so just a little on the background. I mean, I, I actually think it, it, is a direct foray into crypto because everything that we did at VaynerMedia was about community uh, about development, you know, uh, bringing content that was reactive, responsive, and you uh, really catering it to, to each platform, right? Um, so that was really fun. We ended up, you know, when I got there in the beginning, I was there for three years, ran the photography department. Uh, we were starting, you know, shooting tiny chocolates in the closet with a couple flash strobes for photography. Uh, and by the end, you know, we had grown into a full blown production studio. We had um, a complete set in Long Island City. It's still over there. Shooting, you know, million-dollar budget advertisements. A lot of things. Uh, I thought it was I in Jersey. Up, uh, no, so the production department went to Long Island City, uh, and we had a nice little home there. Had a lot of fun. And this was before Long Island ads. City had all the the buildings right there on the river. This was when it was still like part of Queens, a bit ghetto. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't want to say that. <laughs> it was. It was definitely a departure. So, uh, you know, the HQ was over in uh, Hudson Yards, which was the newest, shiniest thing in all of New York. Um, and then we found ourselves over in Long Island City. But again, when you're dealing with uh, productions and, and making fake worlds, all you need is a giant warehouse. So it was heaven. True story. And uh, do you miss New York? Uh, so I actually moved back. I guess oh we've, we've given... Uh, you know, Charlie and I have had some dialogue back and forth. Last time we spoke, I was in Fort Lauderdale, but uh, subsequently have moved 
back to Brooklyn where I live on Graham Avenue. Um, so it's hard to beat, you know, being on a street, but New York is definitely interesting. I think it's due for a, a pretty amazing, uh, you know, renaissance, um, due to COVID and everything. And it's a joy to be here. I mean, the city is taking things very seriously, but has a very European feel being outdoors. So this is what people don't realize when they talk about New York, and there's a lot of ignorance, is that, uh, and I'm a little bit biased, but at the same time, I see both sides, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, you can't take the New Yorker out of me, it's in my blood, there's like a certain, you know, like, like uh, maybe like some strand of DNA that New Yorkers have, or you've lived there for 10 years, you start to like, uh, start, you start to gain it, like, you know, but... New York, the reason that it's going to go through a renaissance, it's not because what COVID did. New York was already needing to find itself again, I think, for the past 10 years. New York, and it's one of the reasons we left, is just because my wife and I wanted to live somewhere that was more on its like upward trend in the city uh, in growth of a, of a city. We wanted to live in a place that was going to be become a city from not, as opposed to like being a part of a city that was kind of like figuring out what it was. You know, I own the night, we own the nightclub together at Courtney and I, we, that's where we met and everything. Um, and by the way, never get in the restaurant business or nightclub bar business, just a <laughs> money loser. Eric Voorhees was, 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 was an investor too. And, uh, and a lot of great crypto things happen at that club EVR. It's with the first nightclub to accept Bitcoin, but New York, the reason New York is going to go through a renaissance is because of that. So COVID just accelerated and woke people up to like, okay, so it's going to change, I think, for the better. And a lot of people are talking about all this extra uh, commercial space and things like that. But who knows? A lot of that space will turn into some crazy, amazing things like indoor paintball ranges and shit like that. I completely agree. And, you know, to bring it back to crypto, I, I think <laughs> I feel like the tech sector really started to get a boost here in the, the Bloomberg era. Yeah. Um, he, he started to promote it. And that was back when Foursquare was really New York's like holy grail of tech. Um, but subsequently, you know, we just saw Facebook taking out a lease on the uh, post office across the street from Penn Station. That's enormous. Obviously, Amazon Facebook's just opened... moving into that post office, the big one right by Penn Station. Yeah, isn't that cool? Oh, that's so cool. I thought, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, and then in terms of like Republic has been supported um, by a very startup centric uh, attitude. So like our office is in a uh, high rise that is all startups young, um, being supported by uh, backers that just want to bring tech to New York. And then subsequently, we're also seeing an explosion of crypto in Brooklyn, which I actually think is really cool. Uh, I would like to after I new leave, finance. that's when that happens. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So you've got Avalanche, um, you, you know, Avalabs, uh, you've got Consensus, um, quite a variety of others. It's, it's really more. exciting. I probably over six guests of this show ha are based in like Williamsburg or some part of Brooklyn, uh, which is really, really cool. It's great to see that a bunch of them are working at the old Bit Instant offices, the yard, which is like where the first Bit Instant offices were, which is kind of cool uh, in, yeah, in Williamsburg. Nice. Over there. Hey, so um, how big Republic Advisory? It's, it's a pretty big company. They've been around for for a long time being involved in a lot of different sectors sectors and industries. How big is that company and, and, and how did they get into like digital assets to, uh, like and crypto? How did that all work out? Yeah, absolutely. So Republic is, you know, like many, quite a few different verticals underneath the, the you know, top level umbrella. Um, and I would say the Republic Advisory Service where I work, uh, we, we really deal with companies that are post-seed, pre-series A, 
um, really offering a quite quite a few products in in the go to market strategy, um, which I love because it really gives me reach into sort of every corner of the industry, which uh, you know is really interesting and and prevents me from being too siloed in any one point. Yeah. Um, but you know, Republic got its start early on with a in 2017 when tokens were coming up doing the Reg CF uh, offerings, but that kind of came up in tandem with the ICO. And Reg CF at that time was a million dollar cap. ICOs are infinite, right? Uh, free money, if you will. Yeah. So we we did do a couple successful projects. You you could have seen props. We had um you know a, a big helping hand in a lot of more recent ones. Uh, Blockstack, even Avalanche, we did work with them towards a lot of their token sales. So that was pretty thrilling. I will say that while Republic is grown, it's actually been an explosion. I've been there for two years. Uh, I want to say it's doubled in size. It's now around 100 plus people. Um, and though the crypto team is, still remains pretty tight. We're about five to seven, give or take. You know, Some people float in and out. How do you manage um, all those clients though? Do you have project managers, people under you? You have resources? Yeah, we have... Uh, well, we have the resources of the full Republic umbrella. So, you know, really vast uh, experts on the legal side. There's about nine lawyers in the company. Um, in, in terms of the sales products, like these Reg CF campaigns, which you see uh, if you go to the page, that's an entire vertical, well-staffed. And then in terms of crypto, uh, we have four advisors that each handle about four to five clients. We consider that to be our max um, and try to, you know, just give them as much love and appreciation as possible. And contribute all of our energies that we can to just taking their product from a really rough sort of unfinished uh, kind of thing down to like, you know, a finalized sculpture that can go out and, and be sold. And uh, I, I think 2021 is going to unlock a lot of opportunity too, because again, these, these uh, regulatory sales products uh, coming from the SEC, they've gotten huge boosts in 2021. So we're going to see the Reg CF, uh, which we've generally leveraged for private equity, had a million dollar cap. I would say in crypto, you know, a million dollars is not necessarily enough to warrant some sort of intense endeavor. Uh, that's bumping up to five million. We can also test the waters. So that's going to be an extremely interesting fundraising device. We have about a million users on our platform. So to be able to put a campaign out there and say, hey, US, do you want to invest in tokens? Um, you know, we're hoping to bring token sales back to the US retail, which uh, you talk you know. about that. You talk about like the return of the American crypto investor. But that uh, that implies or that suggests that the American investor has fled elsewhere. Um, is that something that we have to acknowledge now? Or is it still something and, and then try to figure out why? Or is it something that we a lot of people don't agree with? I think it's been mostly due to fear and uncertainty. Uh, I'm sure on, a, you know, you advise a ton of projects and mm -hmm. I, I, I imagine you hear plenty of times, we're not touching the US, right? Uh, That's there's a, a plenty of times, almost every single company or project that I work for now will go so far to not accept or not even, it's not that they, it's like it used to be like you see BitMEX, like you know, BitMEX, the VPNs, you know, like how to get around it. Now it's like these yeah. companies are building VPNs to specifically bar American, you know, users or customers. Like it used, you know what I mean? Like it's so bad that even if you try to get around some of these uh, barriers of entry, even technically advanced people can't do it. You'd have to go and actually set up international corporations and it's too much, it's such a hassle and too much work. Most of these companies simply say, we just simply don't want American investors. And it used to be 
that the the bar to accept American users was higher because it was a pay to play. You want to have American customers. You want American money. You got to come in. The rest of the world, though, has stepped up and said, no, we can do all that. Um, is that a bad yeah. thing or a good thing, to be honest? Well, the way we see it, I mean, the wrath of the SEC is a terrifying thing, right? Um, and they've gone after projects in the past. Um, and I think they have a... SEC is smart, though. They're very smart people. Can't deny that. Uh, yeah, they're very, they very smart. They are our most frequent visitor to our website. So we're, we're very close friends. Um, but, you know, they took the position that they didn't want to impede innovation. So they didn't really create clarity. And as a result, there was a lot of, you know, um, pursuing after the fact. But So there was a conscious of, effort to not... Sorry to interrupt you. There was a conscious effort, you think, to not bring clarity? Uh, to some degree. Well, they, you know, in their own admission, they like to move slowly. Mm. Uh, it's delicate stuff they're dealing with, but that left our industry in a, a very blank slate, right? Um, obviously people didn't know how they could accurately accept us investors. So, uh, they just bailed. Um, whereas our stance is we have these vehicles, they are for issuing securities. So we can do these things like a reg CF, a crowdfunding campaign, issue a token as a security to any us investor, uh, caveats being that they have a one year lockup, uh, a few other things, but really quite loose. And then, of course, within that period, it's on the project to prove decentralization um, and make the argument that they have moved from a security at the point of sales onto a utility, which I think in this point in time is actually quite clear on how to do that. That's governance. That's you know dispersing your nodes, your operations. Um, and again, utility functions can still happen within that year lockup period. Like uh, If it's a voting share, it's just that you can't trade it, but you could still use it for votes. You could still stake on it, things of that nature. So we just kind of have to rejigger how we think of it. I think this like we're a utility and not a security fight is going to sort of disappear and just accept that if you're taking US retail, it's a security at the point of sale. Um, and then after that, you try to move towards that utility position. The average person who is not in our industry, do you think they understand how important everything you just said, how important tokenization is for the rest, for the, for the future of of the internet or the future of the world that we live in today? Do you think people really understand uh, how important that is? Very good question. Uh, retail, I mean, I still look at it as these, even where we are now, is like foundational layers of the internet. I, I like to think it's like private equity and HTML, right? It's super awesome opportunity if you get it. Um, that being said, that's retail. Uh, we are seeing a, an interesting confluence of um, you know, enterprise sectors that fully understand they would be issuing some sort of securitized token, but they're coming in from everywhere. And we're now seeing, um, you know, a litany of attempts, whether it's around, obviously, tokenized real estate was a very early one um, and could actually be used to back stable coins. That's like an interesting topic, um, all the way through to just different financial products that people are waking up and saying, hey, we can tokenize this and create a, you know, a secondaries market around it that doesn't quite exist. So, on the one hand, retail, it's hard to get. I mean, crypto is broad, right? You have, you have to understand law, regulations, computer science, game theory, community development, like none of us master at all. Um, but again, some of the professional players that have seen it ebb and flow and go through bubbles and, and plops, um, they see it's here to stay and they're going to leverage the technology. So we're, we're going to hopefully help them do that. Um, but I think it's very exciting. It, there is a, a waking up. Happening. There's a, a huge waking up because... The old retail conversation in 2017 was just around, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then this ICO thing, which was 
very strictly gambling and casino for yeah. for a lot of the the retail investors who came in like from 15,000 to 20,000. And I look at and I want to ask you what kind of metrics you look at, but I look at some of these little metrics of people that I talk to um and it used to be the people that I talked to would talk about the, the things that I just said, but now it's like people bring up conversations that I've had on this show. So someone came up to me the other day and he said, Charlie, crypto's so cool lately. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, I just found this really cool app where people can predict what the future value of a price of a crypto is going to be. And then other people can, and that person can stake. And then other people can then, can, can then bet on what they think that person actually uh, predicted without knowing the prediction and get a 10th of their stake. And then if it comes out, they get a person. I'm like, who are you right now? What are you talking? You're describing like smart contracts, social prediction, hedge trading, like, like, so that's what I mean. Like it's, it's definitely changing uh, the conversation and the understanding and the waking up of like the future of this, of this industry that we're in. And I think it's just, it's just wild. Oh, it's absolutely wild. I agree. Uh, one really fun thing of the present era versus 2017 is that even if it is what you just described, some casino mechanism, at least there is a mechanism that you can interact with, right? Exactly. You, um, like, the, uh, imagine if Satoshi Dice had governance built in in the early days, like where you just send, it would be the coolest thing. Someone should relaunch Satoshi Dice or like that type of gambling type of thing, obviously in within a legal mechanism, but someone should relaunch that with governance on top of it, where you can like be the casino and make, like, like, how cool would it be to own a decentralized casino? Why hasn't anyone done that? Can we do that? I, I'm down to try. Let's let's <laughs> do that. I'll call up America's but, Card Room. They have the biggest the biggest casino to accept U.S. Uh, U.S. people, and they'll do it with us. The guy loves crypto. And in fact, the CEO of of ACR the other day on Twitter said that he is buying hundreds of Bitcoin a day just because crypto is so big now on his poker site that that that's the biggest in and out flow, but he's getting more people that are winning and want crypto than they are actually people depositing crypto. That's a very funny full circle because the mm -hmm. poker scene was what really kicked off everything many, many years ago. But, um, you know, when you talk about governance, I I'd be remiss not to shout out Meta Cartel because I'm in that DAO. And I will say that the, the DAO space is also one of the most thrilling initiatives going on right now, right? Um, we're a group of developers, CEOs from a variety of projects, just doers, builders, less so than pure investors. And everyone shows up to this thing, this business, because they want to be there, um, which to me is mind-blowing, right? That's like a very different change from the 9 to 5 where you, you show up because you're just there to earn your salary. Uh, these DAOs are allowing you know, anyone with interest in skills to contribute to get together and, and you know and in that way sort of replacing the VCs you can now raise capital from you know a group of builders and uh, again a, an entire group that can contribute their skill sets to the project so that's another like super fun element i think that's uh, developed lately i'm really happy you said that because it also ties into something that you mentioned earlier which is that you know return of the american investor when it comes to the connections and to bring it all together Hey everyone, I'm Charlie Shrem, and it's time to get out of the Stone Age and into the crypto future at BitCasino. Over the next four weeks, famous statues are ready to take you on this epic journey around the world to share their love of BitCasino. So follow along 
as a new statue is revealed each week with a cool video. All you have to do is guess that statue that comes next and win big with a two Bitcoin raffle and over three Bitcoin and weekly prizes with three different ways to win. That's over five Bitcoin up for grabs. Yep, you heard that correctly. BitCasino has given away over five Bitcoin with two Bitcoin in raffles, plus like three Bitcoin and weekly prizes. Come on, they're giving away Bitcoin. And we all know the supply of Bitcoin is very hard to come by. There's a finite supply. So these guys are giving them away. All you have to do is go on BitCasino and guess the new statue. So get out of the Stone Age and get into the crypto future. Head to BitCasino to win big. It's a crazy world when I tell you that everything we say, do, hear, see, sleep, everything that we uh, interact with the world is being constantly listened to, packaged up, and sold to other people without our permission. But we already know that. Don't you're you're not in your head. We know that. Why are we okay with it? We shouldn't be. We're not getting paid for any of that. Well, my sponsor, Permission.io, actually a very cool company, and you could check them out at Permission.io forward slash Charlie. They figured out a way for you to get a piece of the action because advertisers are going to be targeting you no matter what. And now you can decide which advertisers are able to do so by granting them specific permission and then you get a piece of the action. So you're like basically earning rewards for doing what you already do online, consuming the content and sharing all your favorite information. Now, right at this minute, only these tech giants are profiting from your data. You have all these like uh, Cambridge Analytica and all these like... uh, crazy files that are coming out with how our data is being used against us to spin elections and fake news and blah, blah, blah. With my sponsor, Permission.io, that is about to change. If anything, check it out. It's so cool what they're doing and how they're doing it. You can get a special sneak peek at Permission.io forward slash Charlie. And thank you guys. Thank you, Permission team, so much for sponsoring and allowing me to do what I love to do and to do this show. So for many of the countries that Bittrex Global serves. There's no easy way for investors to purchase stocks like Apple, Tesla. In fact, just the other day, I personally wanted to get involved in the Airbnb IPO, but I couldn't. There's no way to get tokenized stocks. Or is there? This will be the first and only way that Bittrex Global customers can access the U.S. stock market and legally own U.S. stocks from anywhere in the world. Tokenized stocks. It is so cool. So these shares are tokenized and it's possible to buy like a fractionized portion of a stock. So for example, like Berkshire Hathaway, I think trades at $300,000 a share. Now through Bittrex Global, you can actually just buy $300 worth or $500 worth. And then these tokenized stocks are legally bound to the stock itself. And it trades exactly like the stock does. It's beautiful. It's actually what blockchain is supposed to do. It's why we're here in the first place. It's This is bringing about the next level of these like credit and capital markets. And it's allowing global people uh, all over the world to, to, to participate in some of the coolest companies that are based in America today, or even companies around the world. Like I could see so many different applications of this one utility. Um, stocks on the US stock market only trade between like 9.30 a.m. and 4 p.m. The, just the other day I had to Google that because I don't even know that. But because these assets are tokenized, they're going to trade 24 hours a day. And not only that, like individual stocks, but investors can also invest in the whole like S&P 500. Uh, They can get into all these indexes uh, just through Bittrex Global's tokenized stock. It's so 
cool. Make sure you check out global.bitrex.com forward slash discover forward slash tokenized dash stocks. We're going to have it in our show notes. This is one of the front running new on the front lines application of blockchain technology. And you guys are going to have so much fun with it. You talked a little bit about issuing uh, stable coins on, on top of real estate. It all comes together to the return of the American investor. And that is everything that we do and everything that we own, I think eventually will be represented by tokens in my wallet. And that's not just, for example, tokenizing real estate, but it's also participating in a homeowner's association. You know, you'll see if you live on a, in a, in a property of condos and every homeowner could get issued a token and that token will have a finite supply and you could eventually, you know, because it's all accountable, you could eventually forget all the inefficiencies of voting for your, you know, your forget even that, but imagine if you could, uh, the city that you live in, think voting can be done on that. The opportunities are endless, but not just that, but smart contracts at the same time, being able to, to connect legal mechanisms with their smart contracts counterparts is something that uh, 2021 will need to bring a lot of clarity. You work in this very, very closely. So I'm not just talking about connecting like USDC to the legal counterpart, whereas if you own 10,000 USDC, you know that there's a legal mechanism that you will own $10,000 sitting in, you know, center Coinbase Circles bank account somewhere. But when it comes to like smart contracts of real estate, there's no legal clarity in the United States yet. Okay, but then also, even when it comes to like what INX is doing on... uh tokenizing cash flow. So it's not, a, is it a security, right? Like you're, this is the business, the business will bring out a certain amount of revenue. You as a token holder have a right to that revenue before even the shareholders of the company. That's another example. All Definitely these different things. So like, I guess my question to you is, how will it all work out? Because on the other side of this, you have to have a, for contracts to work. As we saw in 2017, it's not just when things are rosy. But at the end of the day, you need accountability because if people are going to screw you, people are going to do fraud, everyone's going to try to change the deals. And there's always multiple truths. There's a reason courts exist. There's a reason arbitrations exist. So within smart contracts, how do we connect that contract to the legal mechanism or the legal counterpart going forward? Because when that happens, really, dude, we're going to see an explosion and Bitcoin to a million dollars, Ethereum to 20 grand, it's just going to be insane. Yeah, you know, 2018 was like the year of securities, right? STOs, security token offerings, uh, that never actually came to fruition. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think we are slowly stepping in that direction. Obviously, it's got a bit of a chicken and an egg. Um, you know, it's hard to launch an asset with no secondary market to trade on, and it's hard to build a secondary market with no assets to trade. Um, however, you know, we launched our Republic note token earlier in the year, which is full blown security. And it's got fundamentally different features than let's just say a utility token. So when we're talking about that sort of responsibility, everything that you've mentioned, a, a full blown security token does have clawbacks. It does have trade restrictions. Um, if I were as an owner to lose my entire stash, there is the capability on Republic's end to say, okay, cool, we'll just X those tokens out, issue you new ones, because yeah. again, it's all in the back. The token our... is a mechanism. Correct. Um, so I, I see us moving towards you know, the people that require 
everything that you discussed, that responsibility, that uh, liability in a business, they'll embrace the security token space. And that's only going to grow. There's going to, you know, we've already spoken to numerous DEXs, sorry, and centralized exchanges, uh, a, a litany of people building. Um, and then on the flip side, you'll have these non uh, projects that just launch code and could potentially be some genius Andre project or some rug pull. And, and that will be for the gambler space. Um, and these two things will probably grow in tandem. And I agree, both of them will take Bitcoin to, <laughs> to the heavens. But uh, you know, we, we are seeing that evolution and people are embracing that the securitized token, which definitely loses a lot of the ethos of some of you know, pure crypto, um, still actually offers a ton of technical value. It's funny that you mentioned uh, uh, DeFi because I want to bring that up in a second. Uh, but your your note token is really like on the complete. So you look at like decentralization or crypto as a spectrum or the road to decentralization. You uh, on that spectrum, what you're talking about is the complete opposite end. But there is a very important need for that uh, because getting into the crypto space. I keep going back to this like tie in. Someone should make this their logo. But um, with Bitcoin and some of the early cryptocurrencies, value was attained based on uh, the re markets, you know, us as people. And it took years and years and years. But now that we've proven that technology and we've proven that trust, we're using this technology in some of the craziest ways that I never thought possible. And you're right. It is, it is immensely thrilling. Uh, and I guess what's thrilling, oh, you, I wanted to bring up something before now I can, I guess what's thrilling is that because the industry is so big, it can support uh, businesses like what you and I do. And so uh, I like to tell some fun stories. and I know you do too, but like some of my clients today are really cool because they come to me and they'll say, hey, Charlie, like you've established yourself as like this strategic thinker. And one of the things that I've not been able to do is take on some of these bigger clients because my resources are just me and a partner or two with some contract people that I hire on. And I know you have like, crazy staff. But I have some some companies will come, hey, Charlie, we raised this money or we have a token or we don't have a token or this is who we are. This is what we're not. And we're broken or we don't we don't really know what to do now. And it's very uh, it's it's thrilling to go into some of these companies and, be, and have that license to be able to like radically change or pivot or, or be looked at as this person who kind of knows what they're doing, not because of the education, but because I've been down those like canyons so many times before <laughs> that I, I literally spend my time in boardrooms at the, like everyone will talk and then I will just say, okay, if you go down that route, that's what's gonna happen. If you go down that route, that's what's gonna happen. If you go down that route, that's what's going to happen. And I'll introduce you to that guy because I had him on my podcast. Or I'll introduce you to that girl. And it's like really thrilling to be able to do very cool things like this. Yeah, I completely agree. Actually, you know, we've been doing this for about two years now. And with every client that comes under roster and just sort of stays in that basket, it's wonderful to discover new projects that are having similar issues and just say, hey, I can connect those dots for you. You, you need to talk to these guys because... They've already built what you're trying to build, and they will definitely have some clarity for you. And uh, of course, you know those answers are just all over the place. Are they really complex legal solutions? Are they tokenomics? Are they community? I mean, community is everything, right? Um, so I agree. It's 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 a blast to to dive in there and just you know help them escape non fungible tokens, NFTs. Ooh. What's the deal? with this whole industry and why is it like a half a trillion dollar or half a billion dollar industry already? 
Well, you know, they're collectibles and collectibles are always hot. Um, and I do think they have quite an immense power. I ultimately view an NFT as the crossover barrier between uh, reality or meat space and cyberspace. You know, for example, my wife works in augmented reality and how am I going to own an asset in the real world that crosses over to my avatar? And the NFT is perfect. Um, right now we're seeing an explosion. Wow, that's a of- great... <laughs> That's a great way to think about it. I never thought of it from that relationship. I'm thinking like a Picasso painting. Yeah, you know, yeah, most yeah. people don't think of it from the other side. Yeah. So, you know, we've spoken to, um, this was even years ago, but we were speak, speaking to a shoe company about how you could issue, you know, unique shoes in NFT format and, you know, not even really have to produce the shoe. Maybe just the ownership of it uh, is a concept that the users would like. Uh, I also see the Supreme model of, um, you know, waiting in line to get a collectible, very applicable. So companies could use NFTs in real life to say, hey, we've got 10 events around the country. Each one has its own NFT. If you can get to 8 out of 10, like you unlock another barrier and just create this community feedback loop. But I mean, you're entirely accurate. Where we're seeing it now is art, right? Like this photo, you're putting it on the internet and saying it's an NFT and you can trade it. I think that's really cool. It does give artists some capacity to create revenue, but it is much bigger than that. Graham, everything that you're describing uh, is possible and could have been done for the past 20 years with the internet technology that we have today. Everything, everything that you're eight out of 10 and, and NFTs potentially and connecting the meat space versus the, 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 the unit, you know, uh, second life or whatever, connecting all that could have been done. Why does, and it all could have been done on private spreadsheets of these companies. Why does the fact that it's now being done on a transparent blockchain where you don't have to trust the company for its, uh, you don't have to trust the company for promising scarcity, why does that matter? Why did that change everything? Absolutely. It's definitely been done, right? Uh, As you mentioned, everybody keeping it internally, but that also de-silos you. That means you need an account in every single space that you're collecting these assets. Um, To me, one of the coolest things is I mean, MetaMask is a pretty amazing concept, right? You can walk around the internet, check in with MetaMask, and suddenly your digital assets can interact with the internet in a brand new way. Um, So to that effect, it's much more that my personal identity, my wallet, obviously, I think all of identity is part of of uh, this concept. But that is what gets to collect these achievements as I go through the world. So I mean, it's really about data ownership, right? And that's, that's at the core of it. Well, you said de-silo. That's like the best term to describe it. In fact, I'm trying to buy desilo.com, but someone owns it. <laughs> well, it's Not a perfect me. way to describe things because up until now, everything that we've done on the internet has been siloed. Uh, you create accounts everywhere. And then even things like logging in with Facebook, logging in with Google hasn't achieved the mass adoption because you're still required to have an account on that one or the other. And then there's not all the times connections and you're still trusting that one company with more data. But, you, but now with, with this technology, because you don't need to trust, it's not that I don't want to, but because I don't need to have to anymore. Uh, and you can sleep at night saying that I have all these different things that I do and all these different projects and companies and revenue streams and, uh, 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 social interactions that I have and gamification and holiday, you know, and secret Maccabees or whatever, and secret Santas or whatever you want to do. It's all done on the blockchain. Now, when you remove how many relationships have been broken because of trust and communication, 
That's oh. the future of the world that we're living in, my friends. It's the 100%. fact that we, mm-hmm. it's a Sorry beautiful. To cut you off. No, it's great. <laughs> you know, it reminds me actually going back to Vayner Media, but um, we would work with influencers, and I remember when Vine was like the biggest thing on the block, right? Mm. And these guys would come in, cock of the walk. Um, thinking they're amazing. You know, I'm making a bigger salary than my parents just doing like little stop motion animations. Haha. And then suddenly Vine disappears. And it's the same thing with people that built lives around Amazon marketplaces. And then Amazon changes the rules. Um, you know, it's those kind of things Mm -hmm. (laughs) are dangerous. One of the best uh, assets you can, you you can have uh, is owning your distribution. Uh, luckily with podcasting is that I own this distribution. It's an MP3 file on a server. You know, it's my voice. As long as I'm not as if, as if it's my voice coming to you, my video coming to you, no matter where that distribution is, I still own that distribution. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, if you want, you could give NFTs to your user base and they would feel very rewarded and everyone loves getting a trinket and a collectible. I thought of with NFTs, you have the, I have the ability to launch my social experiment that I've, that I've always wanted to do. And that is, uh, replicating the black market economy inside prison on the outside, because now you can, like you said, you could de-silo, uh, inside of prison, you have this whole black market economy that uses the currency of mackerel packets, you know, like tins of fit, uh, not, it's like flat aluminum packets of fish. Yes. And, uh, and these are the currency. And the the distribution and the supply of this currency is finite because there's only 500 inmates. There's only a certain amount of beds. So you can never have more than a certain amount of inmates. Uh, You can never have the, each inmate could only buy 14 mackerel, 14 packs of mackerel every week. So you have, that's the finite, you have five. And then you have on top of that, every inmate can only spend up to $300 a, a month. So now you have like a finite supply. That's the inflation and distribution. And, the, and these, these macro packets were used as currency, like a personal trainer would cost five max a month or a haircut would be two max, things like that. You want a guy to make you a pizza in the microwave, uh, he, that would cost you four max. Um, but then this other currency appeared because mackerel after a certain amount of time would expire, right? But people are in jail for a very long time. So after max expired, they were still used as currency. You would have these uh, expired mackerels that when you felt them and squeeze them, they were just disgusting, just liquid, oily, nothing. Just like you feels like a stress ball, you know, as if you squeeze it, it would pop and explode all oil all over you. But these ex- oily packets had a value of two to one. So two money macs were worth one edible mac. And people had all their life savings in this thing. And you could earn macs. You could earn macs by doing... Uh, participating in the in the social, political, and economic marketplace and economy inside prison, uh, and the administration knew that this was happening, and they largely left it alone because they knew that 500 people need a a social and economic marketplace in order to live in harmony. We needed a way to extend credit to each other. In fact, they were money changers, like the old temple money changer type like that Jesus would kick out of the temple yeah. or whatever. And I'm not, I don't really know religion that well. That concept existed inside prison. You'd have these people that their jobs were, and they were the big guys that you didn't want to screw over. They would extend you credit. And then you'd have to pay them back at the end of the week or the end of the month. And, it would, and these are the same people that ran the stores where you could buy products that you couldn't, that you didn't want to like wait till your commissary day. 
And so I want to take all of that and then I wanted to create like two NFTs potentially where Edible Max only became Money Max only became Money Max after a certain amount of time staking Edible Max. And, and then you could earn it and you could participate in the prison economy doing all these different predetermined jobs like, you know, landscaping. I don't know. But it was like, you can do all this stuff. But the reason I haven't is like, I have just this fear of launching a token. And even in the most legal way, I'm just scared to launch a token. Totally fair. But I do think you're positioned perfectly at the crossroads between the food meme coins and mm. the social money that's developing, which is limited tokens that get you into like a chat room or a community. Exactly. You might want to give it a try. I know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. It's a cool idea. People have emailed me and asked me about it. But um, hey, I wanted to ask you, what are, what are, what's the most interesting thing that you're working on this week? Oh, well... I think the most interesting thing, I'm under strict NDA and I can't talk about it, but it does come back to enterprise and more legacy um, players looking at tokenization and really starting to get on board. So um, that's thrilling. Otherwise, you know, we've had some major wins with our clients, you know, whether it be um, advances in their distribution channels or collecting checks from investors. I mean, that's always a really big high. So I've, we've had a, a good week for our clients What's your perfect in client terms of this kind of things. For those listening. Oh yeah, absolutely. So we really target people right before the seed level, or sorry, right after seed, uh, pre-series A, when you know, you're, you've got a strong idea and some development in place, but you need the go-to-market team to help you boost it. Um, and Republic Advisory Service handles everything from a full revamp of the marketing materials, the white paper, technical specs, um, you know, pitch deck, moving that into everything that you need to deliver, moving that into pitches. Um, and now we can even go on to these campaigns in front of our crowd. So we really do hope to touch every single element. Um, this year, pretty thrilled to announce a couple new product offerings. So we are doing our first major tokenization, um, which is for a publicly traded company, Voyager Digital. They're a, an app for retail purchasing. Great company. So we're excited to add tokenization into our pipeline. I'm an um, investor as in Voyager as well. There you go. Oh, yes. Yeah. Steve Voyager. has been on this channel. I'm sorry. I've been, an investor I in, I've been working for that company for a year. I love that company. And uh, and they, they are what I wanted Bit Instant to be. And that's why I bought shares very early on. And I'm, and I'm happy the way it all turned out. Excellent. Uh, yeah, great team. So thank you for and the then, work that you've been doing for oh, making me pleasure. money. <laughs> and uh, the other thing that we're pretty excited about is we're getting more into public sales. Uh, mm. Again, the Republic Note was our first public sale. Um, went really gangbusters. We targeted 8 million, ended up raising around 30. So I would say that was a win. Um, and now we're just trying to identify who the correct partner would be for the next one. But we're really bullish. We think a lot of the new rules and regulations just support us in this endeavor. Um, and again, that was my whole narrative of bringing uh, US retail back into the space. But you know, now there's some clarity, there's some rules, there's some guidelines, and we can do issuances within those guidelines. Um, so I think it's going to be a really exciting, explosive year here in the States. I cannot have said that better myself. Thank you so much for coming on Untold Stories. I really appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, my pleasure. 